Hi, I'm Zeeland. Like, actually, this isn't AI or anything. And you're listening to the Thousand Hours Podcast. Hello and welcome to the final of Thousand Hours of FM23. Are you surprised we've made it through the whole year? So am I. I'm Alex Towles, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Woodward. Hello, Alex Woodward. Hello. And Alex Tam Brown. Hello, Alex Tam Brown. Good afternoon. So, what we are going to do today is, unlike the last two episodes, which have been split into two parts accidentally, we're going to split this episode into two parts on purpose. In the first part, we are going to wrap up our FM23 saves, talking you through uh, everything that's gone on since we last spoke in the format that we've been using for the podcast for basically the whole year. In part two, we are going to react to the announcements that Football Manager have made around the FM24 uh, release. Uh, obviously coming out on November 6th, you'll probably be hearing this at some point in mid-October. Uh, and the, the, the beta might even be out by the point you're hearing this, but at the point we're recording it, all of the features that they're going to release have been released, but the beta is not yet a thing. So what we're going to do is talk about the new features, what we like and what we don't like. Then the next podcast after this one, uh, the two parts of this one, of course, uh, will be our first podcast for FM24. Like last year, we will go through a load of teams that we think you should play with in FM24 before telling you what teams we will be playing with in FM24, at least to start with. Um, but that's next month, and hopefully we'll actually be able to get it out on or around the FM24 release date. I don't know. We'll see. So, let's start as we normally do with Alex Tamp Brown. Now, Alex, you tell me you've only done one season of your save, of your lead save, so it should be easy for you to get it in under 20 minutes. You know, what the listeners don't hear is us rambling for about three hours. Oh, no, they do. Oh, well, trying to, <laughs> trying to condense it down is is horrendous job for Alex Woodward, so I, I'd like to thank him for doing all the work he does over the past year. I but, don't um, do that I'm... much work. <laughs> Anyway, you're wasting your time. It's because I don't have much to talk about. I've been so busy <laughs> over the past month. I've only managed to get one season of Leeds in. So uh, I left it when we'd got promoted and just kind of done the summer transfer window. And basically, it, it's just a, a very meh season, you know, you know, really good championship season, very middle of the road Premier League season. Um, so I'll, I'll take you through um, sort of the high points, at least, of, of the season, because... We ended up finishing. Does anybody want to guess where we finished? Eighth. No, we didn't. Ninth. We didn't finish eighth. No, no, you, you, you're both quite close though. We finished eleventh, oh. so we finished just above Everton and just below Brighton, which oh. I think is a good season, Not especially as good as compared to get out. <laughs> sack him! Sack him yeah, now! Useless. Uh, well, it, it was a very difficult season because um, the top teams were kind of really good. Um, so Arsenal uh, finished the season only having dropped two points and conceding 10 goals. So they, you know, just kind of walked the league. Man City uh, finished second with 92 points. And then surprise packages, Bournemouth and Brentford uh, finished in the Champions League. And then below them was Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea, and then Spurs. And then 
we have Newcastle in ninth and Brighton in tenth, us in eleventh, Everton in twelfth. So I'd say that's a good season compared to you know where we could have actually where we should have expected to finish in our first season back. Either or, on to our kind of highlights of of the year. So to be honest, it was just kind of one of those seasons where. I think we all kind of have them at some point where you go, you win two, you lose one, you then draw the next three, very kind of stop start, very streaky Lee Johnson, right? Um, And to be honest, the top teams just absolutely battered us. So um, we lost uh, 4-0 and 5-0 to Arsenal. Um, Bournemouth, we lost, I think, both games too. I think we basically lost to everyone above us. But to everyone below us, we kind of got decent results. So we ended up, over the course of the year, getting uh, 17 wins, 7 draws and 14 losses, with a goal difference of plus 2. So, take that, right? You know, um, our our worst losses were, were against Arsenal and Liverpool. And our kind of, our highest, our best win was a, a 3-0 win against Chelsea. So, Dennis Wise, suck on that. Uh, that's a very niche <laughs> reference, by the way. Um, but overall, I think that's a that's a decent Premier League season for a team that that's come up. Although, yes, we kind of did really well in the in the Championship. We should have done better. But no one saw Bournemouth um, signing Jadon Sancho and Anzu Fati and just getting Champions League. But Shit happens. Uh, <laughs> either or, uh, FA Cup was where it was interesting. Um, Watford was our was our first game. Uh, we won one nil, so into the into the fourth round, where we would play Sunderland. Easy three uh, nil dispatch, and then we got to the fifth round where we played Arsenal, and we took a two nil lead in this game, and we were really happy because this was a very stingy Arsenal defence. Um, only for them, or I say for them, only for uh, Bukayo Saka to score four, which um, I wasn't very happy about, even though you know I'm a massive fan of Bukayo Saka. I wasn't at that point. I was very upset with him. Um, obviously, we going, went into the second round of the Carabao Cup where we drew Sheffield United and we had to get through on penalties after drawing 2-2 in normal time. Um, the third round draw wasn't very kind to us. It gave us Manchester City. And to be honest, I was going into this expecting to get absolutely pasted. But we won 5-1. Big win. Love that. Um, the fourth round was a bit kinder to us. Uh, they gave us Reading, who were having some financial troubles uh, during this season. They ended up having 12 points deducted from them in League One. Uh, and we got a 1-0 win away from home we've still not played a game at home in any of the cups this season apart from when we got to the quarterfinal and we played Newcastle who we drew 1-1 with and then lost on penalties so no cup glories to speak of no uh fun things to really happen it was just a very kind of oh you you know you did you did well um sold a few players which was I think the main kind of thing that we needed to do because the the wages we were paying to some of the players in the championship 
and the wage contributions that we had to give when selling them were not very good uh, for the for the bank balances. So our our biggest sale um, was because obviously Brendan Aronson, Mark Rocker, Rasmus Christensen were all out on on loan. We basically sold them uh, because of their their seasons out on loan. Uh, I think Brendan Aronson. Uh, Rocker and Christensen all went to the Bundesliga and then a few of them went to Italy, a few of them went to Spain. So that was basically it. The biggest in that I didn't mention was uh, a lad called uh, Rene Koch, who we'd signed from Freiburg for £500,000. New gen, looks pretty decent, but honestly, that's about it. It, it was very kind of meh. And that's all. That's all I have to update you on. It was a very mess season. That one that I'm not going to continue into to FM24, and that, that's a bit of a hint for the next part as well, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose um, it's quite obviously in FM24 you can carry on your saves, um, and I'm not going. to... Well, well, I don't know if any of us are going to be carrying on our saves. Alex, Alex, you you've used up a whole eight minutes there. I mean, I I, I can talk about Leeds a bit more. I mean, we're we're getting an expanded stadium in twenty twenty six. That's that's about it. Yeah. Isn't Ellen Road quite big already? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, no, it's not big enough. <laughs> it's not big enough. You can't even get a ticket now in the championship for crying out loud. It's not big <laughs> enough. It's 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 quite big. For um, the team that they are, but we were no, we were not. getting towards selling out most weeks. So that's selling out why. most weeks, it's because I've not been able to get a ticket in years. In this isn't real life. I know, but still, you can't sell out a stadium when you're playing Bristol City. You know, it just doesn't. They literally but... have. <laughs> <laughs> but um, either. Yeah. I've I've caused beef now. That's that's the that's the surviving thing for the next. Your time, Ellen Road has good Wi-Fi in the game as well. That's <laughs> nonsense. Well, so, you know, I, I was approached to expand the stadium, and they obviously made a commitment to have Wi-Fi in there. So, so Alex, you've been known for your eclectic tactics over yeah. the course of this season. Uh, what have you been playing with in Leeds? Um. So I've, I kind of remodeled a, a four three three, right? Um, but I had um, so I had Cody Drama at right wing back, mm-hmm. and then I had um, a guy called Dauda Gindo at left wing back, and then I just had two centre halves, which was Charlie Cresswell and Umar Solo. Mm-hmm. I then had Jamie Shackleton playing in uh, a deep line playmaker, but a defensive midfield role, right? And then I had Archie Gray in a sort of Carrillero. And Darko Giabi as a box-to-box midfielder, just in front. Mm-hmm. And then I had uh, three strikers. So Willie Nonto as a deep line forward, and then Joe Gelhart and Sam Greenwood as um, advanced forwards on attack. So basically, I was playing with two centre backs. That's how I'd like to sell it, but it was basically a back four. Decent. And uh, I, I ended up putting in so many different. So when you know when you're watching the matches and you you choose like a little tweak to your to your mentality to your like in possession or in transition, mm. I kept adding like little things and seeing that they were working. Like what? So, um, so originally it was stuff, I had stuff like pass into space, play out of defense, higher tempo mm. um, for like the in possession stuff. But then I ended up seeing that 
oh, if I get the fullbacks to overlap, it basically creates five forwards. And mm-hmm. then I also have my two central midfielders lurking on the box. So I ended up having basically like a massive long list of tactical instructions that developed <laughs> um, to the point where I can't kind of go back and play. Um, I couldn't have implemented that straight away. If I'd have put that many instructions in, I'm sure I would have just confused, you know, someone like Archie Gray, who hasn't even got his GCSEs yet. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Archie. You probably do have them, but I just did, I just wanted to make a point. Um and then it was just stuff like the, in the in-transition stuff. So it was like take short kicks. And then it started to go with distribute to centre-back and then counter-press, counter, distribute quickly. It's just it's just got really kind of messy as a, as a tactic because I just keep adding little things and tweaking it. So basically the, the whole tactical style encompasses about two-thirds of my of the space that it can. Okay. And then obviously you've got player instructions as well, which is just an absolute bloody minefield at the moment. Yeah. (laughs) So Uh. there's, there's there's genuinely not that much to talk about. Um, If I would have been able to continue the, the idea would have been to, to push more towards a two center back formation Mm. and I'm pushing the wing backs further and further up to play as midfielders. Um, But that was kind of two years away from being able to, to happen um but didn't have the time gonna play fm24 gonna do some weird and wonderful things hopefully or i'll probably get sacked within the first week you never know what's gonna happen yeah of course that's how it goes um uh, it's probably time to move on to me so i was umming and ahhing of whether or not to get all of the fun stuff out of the way or walk you through it slowly but surely, build up the drama. Uh, but no, I'm just going to tell you straight up. So the Taunton save is also done. I will not be taking Taunton into FM24. And I know you probably know what that means, but yes, that means in the last seasons I've been playing, I have in fact won the Premier League and I have won the Champions League with Taunton Town. Yay! Yay! We did it. Have that, Zealand. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he did it quicker than me. But I got out of the National League quicker than he did, and I will always, always be able to hold that to myself. Um, Can we get that pretty much the bigger thing after all? <laughs> got out the National League. I got out of the National League quicker than Zealand. Yeah. You'll never sing that. Um, well, uh, well we, we have been singing it. Anyway, um,. So it is May 2043, and I am done with Taunton. Where I last left you, it was the end of the 2040-41 season. I just finished third on 79 points, 14 points back from the champions' arsenal. In 2041 40, uh, and basically what I've done is I've gone really big on transfers and accepted that I wasn't going to win the league or win the Champions League with the squad that I had at my disposal, so I spent lots of money on lots of big pieces to plug in. Uh, And obviously, it's 2043, all of these people are regens who you do not know, but I will describe to you as best I can how good these players are. You might remember from last episode, a bloke called Marcus Stainso who was the best ball-winning midfielder in the world, and I really, really wanted him, but then he went to Aston Villa. Ring a bell? Yeah, when you signed him. 
Yeah, yeah, I signed him. Uh, I, I can't remember if I said that in the episode or not, but yeah, I have you, signed him. You Marcus. did, that's why I mentioned it. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember what's from Twitter and what's not. No, so exactly. <laughs> so, so yes, I, I, the first thing I did was at the end of 2014, uh, the first thing I did in the summer of 2041, before it even ticked over to the new season, is I signed Marcus Stainso off Aston Villa for like 105 million quid, which is really annoying because I could have got him for like 30 if he just said yes the season before. I then went and signed... Antonis Pochos from Hamburg, who is arguably the best goalkeeper in the world, and he was just chilling out in the Bundesliga mid-table, uh, and I was able to get him for like 30 million quid. Also signed another centre-back that summer, uh, with Fred Zola coming in. Um, you might remember last episode, I signed Giancarlo Aluni in the January of 2041, uh, and I was I was and between Aluni and another centre-back. And then I just went and signed Aluni. Well, Zola was that other centre-back, so I decided in the summer to get him as well. Uh, and to make room for Zola, I sold Thiago Maia, who was a very good, on-paper, ball-playing centre-back, who was never actually good in the video game. Um, and it was really annoying because I sold him to Liverpool. They made him their star player on, like, 250 grand a week, and he immediately became, like world-class like rated by all of the people in the game and i'm like why couldn't you just why couldn't you have told me that he was in fact the best center back in the world i might have kept him around maybe even if they played like it a little bit but no um i also signed new sent new backup fullbacks jose simoncini came in on the left back space and phil nicholson came in to play right back because Aaron Hicks and Thomas Maria had gone out the door. That's my second choice right back and captain Aaron Hicks, um, who is a bit of a legend at the club as I'd signed him. Well, he went, remember when I signed three right backs in two transfer windows? Aaron Hicks was the final of those because he was actually good. Uh, so to see him go is a bit sad, but it just wasn't good enough. Uh, and then Thomas Maria was a utility player who Atletico Madrid said we will pay you 25 million pounds for someone who barely starts and I went yes um Tam Brown did you just put your hand up yeah I, I just wanted to ask a quick question mm-hmm. um does Phil Mickleton have a really good drive or not um he should do by all rights he is um he's we, from we did New Zealand joke in the last episode did we had mm? I already yeah. signed Phil Mickleton I can't remember what I yeah. covered last I, week. I said he sounded like an EastEnders character, and then Tam Brown said he sounded right. like a golfer. Bloody hell. Anyway, great. <laughs> well, now you're caught up. Uh, the long story short is we finished second in the Premier League, so one place up, but with exactly the same record as we had in the season before. So 79 points, 24 wins, 7 draws, 7 losses. That's exactly the same as in 2040-41, um, but this time without uh did i say i sold juan galliano i might well have done anyway um you know that now as well uh in the carabobbins we went out in the fourth round in the fa cup we made it all the way to the final which we lost against liverpool and then the champions league in the league phase we finished fourth beating copenhagen benfica marseille Molde, and napoli and by leverkusen uh, and only losing points to the two spanish giants drawing at home to barca and losing away at real madrid yes we had both barca and real madrid that's a bit rough in it um in the round of 16 we beat celtic 4-3 on aggregate 
In the first leg, we drew one all away from home. Uh, and then in the second leg, a first half hat trick from James was enough to secure the win, despite Celtic getting two back in the second half. In the quarterfinal, we played Juventus. Now, I'd like you to guess the score. Aggregate score. Taunton v Juventus. Quarterfinals of the Champions League. 5-0. 7-6. 9-0. We beat Juventus. 6-0 at home. And 3-0 away for a 9-0 aggregate score. I never managed that. Did, Did you, you know, really get into the Italian vibe and pay the refs? (laughs) <laughs> no we did not pay the rest we just how had, do you like it agnelli we just had the <laughs> best games of the save um so in the six nil win james got a hat trick not in the first half this time milan pavlovic scored uh, and Dusselino scooter got two it does help that they had a sending off in the 14th minute um but yeah we then just so they had a man sent off at fourteen in the fourteenth minute, nil nil. I just stuck it on attacking, and we battered them the whole game. Then the second leg, they had a man sent off again. <laughs> I forgot this. <laughs> they had a man sent off in the second leg as well. That time in the twenty-first minute, uh, and I'd played a completely rotated side because, of course, like we were six nil up. Uh, Julio Calderon got a brace, and Alex Late scored um, the third. Um, Alex Late, by the way, a youth team product you might remember from last episode. I wanted to get more youth team products playing. Alex Late isn't any good. I just stuck him on the bench because I wanted to. Uh, and he came on and scored against Juventus. Then in the, the semi-final, we played Arsenal. Now, this is the Arsenal side that won the Premier League with 93 points the season before. We beat them 2-0 at home. Uh, with goals from James and Milan Pavlovic before holding on to a three-all draw away at the Emirates. Uh, they they went ahead, we pegged them back. They went ahead, we pegged them back. We went ahead, they pegged us back. Three-all, and we are through to the Champions League final, where we play Manchester City. And this is a Manchester City team who I hadn't beaten in years. This is a Manchester City team that I sold my best player, Ivan Janovic, to about three or four years ago at this point. Um, And they were the final obstacle between us and a Champions League win. Uh, And we managed to beat them 2-0 with goals from Simon Ikic and Jai Widowson securing the win. Um, James, our star striker, was unfortunately out. But yeah, we managed to win the Champions League 2 nil against manchester city in 2042 we love to see it it was all your hard work paid off you should be commended for that so the save wasn't over though because we still had to win the bloody premier league didn't we still hadn't done that um and what i decided to do was not back down double down um so we and continue with the signing star players transfer strategy so last season we massively upgrading the defense by buying two incredible center backs uh and in and in goal as well um we'd already got james up front and alongside joe widdison meant we were basically good up front so the only place that could really do with um like an unbelievable player was like attacking midfield so i went into the season 
wanting and also Juscelino Escuto, who was ostensibly an absolutely incredible midfielder, like one of the best in the world, and had been playing as a star player at centre mid attack for me. Um, just he wasn't, he didn't perform in the 2041 42 season. He only got a 6.83 average rating compared to um, being over a seven in each of his three seasons before that for us. And so I decided to cut the cord with a Scuto, sell him to Milan for £113 million, and I reinvested the money in two midfielders. I signed... I signed Tatsuya Miyachi from Hoffenheim. Again, just random world-class players chilling out in the Bundesliga. Um, he's a 2017-year-old Japanese player who I got for £76 million. I can't remember if I said that. £76 million. And yeah, four-and-a-half-star midfielder. Absolutely absurd. Many, many greens. So 18 dribbling, 16 first touch, 19 passing. Yeah, he's just ridiculous. Can't jump, five jumping reach, but he is ridiculous. Gone. I'll be honest, I thought you said 2017 year old. I was like, that's that's an old player. He must be experienced by now. Oh, no, he is 27 years old. Uh, and I also... <laughs> oh, so I don't know why I thought 20... I heard that. <laughs> I, I heard it too. I was, maybe maybe I, I did say that. Maybe I'm stupid. Um... <laughs> I also signed the next Marcus Stainso one year after getting the real Marcus Stainso. I got John Jack Fontenot off of Genk, a Belgian ball-winning midfielder slash box-to-box midfielder who is just obscene and is arguably already the best midfielder in the world at 20 years old. Came in and took the place of Jose Manuel Ortega in the box-to-box spot. Um... And uh, Miachi was com- competing with Maxi Acuna for the centre mid attacking spot in my four three three. Acuna actually locked it down over Miachi. To be fair, uh, Miachi had a relatively injury hit season with us, and so didn't really get going. Got a six point nine average rating with four goals and four assists, whereas Acuna was a bit better, pulling up uh, six goals and seven assists with a seven point oh three average rating. My, my, my centre mid on attack hasn't really been that great in the final couple of seasons of this save. Anyway, I was happy with that just being my transfer business. Um, oh, also, Phil Nicholson was sold because um, I think it was West Brom offered me like £30 million for a bloke I'd spent £80 million, £18 million on the season before, and I went, why not? Um, so I sold him and then brought back Luke Matthews from Bayern Munich. Um, so that was my transfer business done um but then on the on transfer deadline day i got a notification that Pristev as z d r a v k o zdravko Pristev, um who was the best winger in the world at ajax was annoyed that ajax hadn't qualified for the champions league and had put in a transfer request and I went, sod it, and chucked 100 million at him. So I now had the best right winger in the world, the best centre mid in the world, the best defensive midfield in the world, and the best goalkeeper in the world, alongside pretty solid 
um, centre-backs. Bruno Luis has developed into arguably the best left-back in the world. Joey Widowson's up there in terms of left midfielders. And James, even though for some reason the game doesn't even consider him a world-class striker, if you looked at his stats, this lad's a world-class striker. I had a team that could, should by all rights be able to win the Premier League. We started off really, really strongly. Um, we didn't lose a game for quite a while. It took us until October the 17th to lose a Premier League game, losing 2-0 away at Chelsea. Um, but we then picked up form again until we dropped off in December and January. We had a really bad spell in December and January. Only three wins from a lot more than three games across those two months. Uh, and it was looking pretty shaky going into the back end of the season. Um, we got knocked out of the Carabao Cup early in the third round again. Uh, in the Champions League, uh, we unfortunately lost in the quarterfinal. Um, who, who, guess who we lost to in the Champions League quarterfinal? Heidenheim. Man United. No, sorry, Man City. Aston Villa. Oh, of course. <laughs> Yeah, we lost to Aston Villa. To be fair, I was rotating quite heavily because I'd won the Champions League. I didn't care that much. But yeah, we lost 2-1 away from home and then only managed a 2 all draw at home. Uh, so we crashed out in the quarterfinal, even though we definitely could have won the Champions League again, in my opinion. We, had a, a, we have one of the strongest squads in the world. Um, but we had a very, very strong Premier League run from from February onwards, basically, we only lost one Premier League game from February until May, um, and, until the end of the season. And that was enough to secure us the win with 82 points. So only three points more than we've got in the seasons before. Uh, we won 24 games again, drew 10 and lost seven, which means that we've never won more than 24 games in a Premier League season. Um, but it was just enough to pick Liverpool, who finished on 79 points. Liverpool actually lost on the final day if they'd won. They, we were still won this league on goal difference, but like it was it was that close. We could, If we'd not won on the final day, we could easily have bottled the title, which would not have been fun. I would have been very sad. Um, but yeah, that's Taunton. Uh, James is like, he, he's only been here for three seasons, and he's like, five goals off becoming the club's all-time top goal scorer already because he's just amazing um Haristev never really got going he managed to get himself up into the sevens in terms of an average rating but only a 7.03 um Simon Ikic who he replaced uh actually had a really poor season by his standards but that's fine we managed to win the league anyway so who cares uh, Milan Pavlovich is a very strong depth option and will easily easily find game time over time if I was carrying on the save. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I simulated forward a couple seasons just to see what the world looked like. Uh, obviously, I resigned and I resigned at the end of this season, as you do. Uh, and so I took Schmalix Smowls and simulated forwards a few seasons to see how Taunton were looking. Uh, I simulated forward to 2045, so 
an extra couple of seasons just to see how Taunton would get on without me. Um, they hired Marco Groza to replace me, which is quite funny. Um, let me just check that it was just straight up me, then Marco Groza. Yep, he came in straight after me. Um, he finished third in his first season in charge and then second in his second season in charge. He actually lost out on the Premier League title on goal difference to Manchester City uh, and both Taunton and Manchester City lost on the final day. So, um, bottle job. Uh, if he'd managed to win the final game, he would have won the Premier League. And Taunton still haven't won more than 24 games in the Premier League, which is absolutely hilarious, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, I've set Taunton up to be one of the best teams in the world, in Europe, for the next little while in this save. Um, let me just find out what their reputation is. It, it, we, so when I ended the save, Taunton were like the sixth most reputable reputable team in the world. Um, I'm not sure that's still still the case now. If it lets me check. Did he take a job in the England setup? Who? Yeah, <laughs> afterwards. No, I have not taken the job in the England setup. I just retired. Yeah. So you're not as good as um, Jay Cartwright. As, as Jay, then. I'm yeah, not Jay as good Cartwright. as Jay Cartwright. He took Woking from non-league to the Premier League in six years. Stuff like that don't go unnoticed. Doesn't go unnoticed. Unless you're Alex Towles. Unless, Unless you're Alex Towles. You don't get that reference. <laughs> I will just find the reputation of Taunton because I feel like that's something worth saying. Uh, fourth most reputable team in Taunton. In Taunton, Jesus Christ. <laughs> You've taken from non-league to the Premier League, European champions, and you're still not even the biggest club in your town. No. Yeah, but what about that pub team? They're quite good. Yeah. Fourth most reputable <laughs> team in England. Uh, but yeah, Taunton, done, Bosch. It's like having Kevin Godleyman managing a team. Uh, to, that's another <laughs> reference. <laughs> right, so let's talk about Leon then. Obviously, I in the last episode had had quite a um, quite a good time with Leon and with the England national team, and been mentioning that again. I I left off at the beginning of the Club World Cup. I I now realise that because I've got the wrong thing loaded. But I'll start off by talking about the Club World Cup, which was held in Germany. And we started off with a game against Pyramids, the, the mighty powerhouses that are. They're really massive and, and hard to get through, but they don't move that fast. So, anyway, we would win that game 5-1. Shut up. Okay, Gianluca Scamacus getting a hat-trick, Gabriel Perez getting two. That was our first group stage game. Our next group stage game would be against another powerhouse of football, Atletico Mineiro. And I'll be honest, I said that before I knew who the team was, so I apologise to every fan of Brazilian football. There was only one goal in that game, and it would be Skimaka who would score, as Leon would win 1-0. So Skimaka's up to four goals through the opening two games of the Club World Cup. 
that would bring us on to the quarterfinal and we would have Bayer Leverkusen who were still managed in the save by Ange, Postacog Ange Postacoglu. I know his name. He took over in 2023. He was there when I was in the... Well, going up the leagues with Tebby because we played him in the cup. And he's still at Bayer Leverkusen, which is what you absolutely love to see. Skamaka would get one, Perez would get two. Bayer Leverkusen, not a match for Leon as we would win 3-1. Bringing us into the semi-finals where we would take on Kylian Mbappe and Real Madrid. Mbappe did score. By the way, all of our games were at the Westfalen Stadium. All of them. There are other stadiums in Germany. Why? Why did it? Have, is that the case with the Club World Cup? Every game should be hosted in one stadium because that's that's intensive. You know, I was telling my players, "Oh, you'll get to see so many parts of Germany. It's a great country." You know, we'll we'll go, we'll have a lovely tour of of the country. And now we just stayed in Dortmund, which is not the best city to stay in for an elongated period of time. But anyway, we would be staying longer than Real Madrid because despite Mbappe scoring, Skamaka would also score one all after regulation time. I don't know what you call it in European sports. It's a bit weird. Um, but Mbappe would get sent off in extra time and Yukubu Okoye would score the only goal as Leon would make the FIFA Club World Cup final where we would take on Inter. And I seem to have this knack of playing against Inter in competitions, in like major finals, because I think I, I played against them in the Europa League final with St. Pauli back in the day. I played against them in the Champions League final for both South Vigo and Deportivo La Coruña, and now I'm playing against them in the Club World Cup final. They opened the scoring in the third minute from Leonid Troyan, who I now realise is not a real player, but Skamaka would score two, Moali Cho would score one, Leon would win the Club World Cup. So a good start to the new season. Skamaka scored eight goals in that tournament, and that was why I sort of decided to make him my starting attacker for the new league season. So to go into the actual 2033-34 season. We would open with the Trophy de Champions against Rennes, a competition we've become very used to winning, and we would do so again. Unbelievably, Skamaka wouldn't score, but Gabriel Perez and Matthias Becker would. We would win 2-1. We would then take on Real Madrid again in the Super Cup, and Kylian Mbappe would again score, but again, it wasn't enough. Declan Rice and Philippe Persine scoring for Lyon as we would win 2-1 in that as well. So we entered the league gun season. We wanted to have a good start to the campaign and we would open away at Toulouse, a tough side, a side who had finished in mid-table the year before. 7-0. So it was, it was a decent start to the season, all things considered. Skamaka scored four. Uh, nope, sorry, Skamaka scored five. So, reasonable start for him as well. Gabriel Perez and Daniel Cabra would also score. I should probably go into my transfers, because I, I didn't go into my transfers. But we had two major signings this year, both of them defenders, because 
Castello Yukeba would leave for Real Madrid and Modi Agne would leave for Tottenham in a combined 155 million. I would also sell Ruben Rodriguez for 85 million euros. Now, Rodriguez was a really good player for me, but he was still only a bench player. So, who would be gullible enough to pay 85 million euros for a player? Manchester United. Manchester United. Now, we've, we've been through this before. Chelsea. They may have also. PSG. They signed Skamaka. They signed West Santa Ham. Maria. PSG. Arsenal. Oh, yeah. Oh. This is the third oh, player. Real life. No, yeah. this is the third player that Arsenal have signed from me for more than 80 million or 80 million and more. And again, Rodriguez is just a bench player. <laughs> he started three games this season. Isn't Ruben Rodriguez that one who was at Notts County? No, he's fake. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. He's not real. In his he's first... not real towels. Let me go. In his first season, he started six games. This season, he started three. They signed him for 85 million. Stop buying players from Leon. <laughs> doesn't work for you. I mean, it I mean it's for... like Arsenal signing players from Chelsea in real life. Yeah. If you want to it hear more about Arsenal stuff. signing players, go and listen to the Potshot podcast. Uh, the hey, Arsenal podcast. That is a shameless plug, but to be honest, if you probably there are more pe- way more people that listen to Potshot than listen to this, so um, it's more likely. Side note: that was actually the wrong way around when we started. Potshot's just really taken off at the start of this season. Anyway. Oh, nice, people nice. Of the art. So, yeah, I signed two big players, both from defenders. I signed a guy called Tom Torres from Liverpool, a Belgian international who came in and did really well. And I also, in the January window, signed um, Louis Sophie from Leeds. There's no name that strikes fear into French footballers more than Sophie. They're, they're petrified. Absolutely. Both of them played well. Leon also played well. I forgot to mention, actually, as well, I also signed David Raya, Kim Min-jae, and Carlos Soler for threes because I just needed people who would be happy to be, like, emergency backup players who were still quite good. This It almost resembles, like, when Carl Malone and Gary Payton signed for the Lakers, which is a reference that nobody on this call is going to get. So God knows why I brought it up. So how would we do in the league and season? Quite well. You might remember the year before I went invincible and that marked my second invincible season on the save. Well, this time I did get slightly more points than last time. Played 34, won 29, drew 5, lost none. A second invincible season in a row and a third invincible season in four years. And last time we talked about, I think this actually, it's not the most points I've ever got because I got 98 points in the 2030-31 season. But this this side might have been better than that because they scored 97, which was more goals than I've ever scored. That 98-point side only scored 77 goals. So they were worse. But when it comes to defending, we conceded seven all year. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Can you teach me your ways? I wish I could make Taunton this good. Um, I I use a default strategy. And football manager goes, yeah, that's the best one. Well done. You pick the best one. 
God, but all this all this bloody fiddling with a 4-3-3, 20 seasons of trying to make my custom tactic work, and Alex comes in here with a 4-2-3-1 Gagan press and wins oh, the no. two it's invincible a, seasons. It's a 4-2-3-1 tiki-taka, I'll have you know. <laughs> so it's even more uh, disgusting. Makes so me wonder different. what the bloody point is. So... Star players this year, Philip Persine, he played 33 games and had 31 goal contributions. Yakubo Okoye, in his 40 games, had 17 goals and 20 assists. Skamaka would finish off his career with 22 goals. I, I went back and checked. When I was the manager of Leon, he played 101 games and scored 116 goals in all competitions. <laughs> Jesus. That's ridiculous. Perez this season scored 15 goals and had 20 assists over the entire save yard, 161 games, 65 goals and 79 assists. And That's Marcel Berger, it's not. Marcel Berger, the keeper, 57 games, 40 clean sheets. Oh, that is good. So that, that brings us good. on. Yeah, it, he, he's quite good. So that would bring us on to the Coupe de France. We'd start off with a game against Ligon Strasbourg, which annoyed me because I wanted a lower tier opponent. We would win 4-0 with Fernandez and Persine both scoring two. In the 10th round, we would play another Ligon opponent. And this one was hard because it was Saint-Étienne in the Verne derby. So great, nice, easy passage. But we did go through 2-1, Fernandez and Torres scoring there. Then we would get into the 11th round and we would play the second best team in the country. Then I just wanted a simple fixture. We won't get it. Roy Torres would score for them in the sixth minute. And we only got back into the game because Carlos Soler would score a penalty. That brought us to a penalty shootout and we would go through. Luckily at this point, all of the big sides had been knocking out each other. We had knocked out three league and clubs at this point. So there were now more second and third tier sides left of the competition than there were league gun sides. So that was good. And we would take on second tier Green Gromp. Definitely not said that right, but you know, I think it's French people. If you if you listen to Vive Latour, you would know I'm not good at French pronunciations at all. We would win two 0 in that game and squeak into the semi final where we would take on another league de side, Valenciennes. Of course, what a classic semi final opponent. Declan Rice would score in the fifth minute. Yakubu Okoye would score in the seventy third, and we would make it through to the Coupe de France final. Ooh. Did you lose? Our opponents in the Coupe de France final <laughs> would be Red Star yeah. FC. Oh my word. Oh wow. Oh god. Oh, national. <laughs> Aside, I managed on FM in the past. Red Star <laughs> made it to the I Coupe you de were France feeling, final. Feeling I bet you were feeling very conflicted a bit. Hmm. They finished 10th. In the league, they'd sacked their manager midway through the season, but they had gone on the run to end all runs in the Coupe de France. I, I won't go through who they beat in the early rounds because I, I'm just going to offend people. They beat Gazalek Ajaccio in the seventh round, who Alex Hamp-Brown might remember because he recommended them at the beginning of this save. And then after that, knocked out Ligue de Lens, knocked out Ligue 1 Khan, knocked out Ligue 1 Lille, knocked out Clement Foote, and then knocked out Nice in the semi-finals. By the way, I don't think I've mentioned this on the save yet. Nice managed by Cristiano Ronaldo. 
I'd say have been for the last six oh, years. God. Because of course, well, I'm glad that I'm glad that Red Star knocked them out then. So, it, I think it's safe to say that if Red Star were able to win the Coupe de France final, it would be the greatest upset of all time in French football because this is a third tier side taking on who I think at this point can be described as the best team in French football history, having won five league and titles on the bounce. And in the 91st minute. Herman Tabilly, a Leon youth product, who was now playing for Red Star, scored to make it 4-1 to Leon. <laughs> Leon won the Coupe de France, unsurprisingly. <laughs> but Red Star gave it a bloody good go, so fair enough. In the Champions League, we really struggled in the group stage, or the league phase, or whatever it's called. We barely won against Astana, and they're a bloody cycling team. I mean, Mark Cavendish was playing on the right wing, and we we couldn't even beat them. We did have... Oh, no, we, we barely beat them. We did drop points against Villarreal and Club Bruges, again, and would only just get into the top Eight. So that brought us on to the round of 16. We'll take on Inter Milan and win 6-0 over the two legs. Then we will take on Napoli and win 6-1 over those two legs. Their star player is a guy called Juan Clevero, who's a new gen. But for some reason, the social media in Napoli just decided to mock him after one of the games. It was really bizarre. <laughs> I don't think you'd see that in real life. I think this is a meta joke what about Victor Osherman. It, it might be. That would bring us into the semi-final where we would take on Bayern. Uh, this is the Bayern side who we had played in the Champions League final the year before. We won the first leg 3-0, drew the second leg one all, and we would make it through to a fourth straight Champions League final. And what started off the run of Champions League finals would also end the run of Champions League finals as we would take on Real Madrid. The other side, I won my first Champions League against, and I would also win my last Champions League against Yacouba Okoye, scoring the only goal of the game as Leon won their fourth straight Champions League. Where hey. We're quite good, lads. We're quite good. What's what's a PSG? You know, no idea. What is it? Yeah, no one knows what PSG are. They've not finished in the top two since my second season in Lyon. But oh. af after this. There was nowhere I could take Leon anymore. So I decided I would be leaving Leon at the end of the season. And I went to Leon Park Dieu Station and boarded a train. Before I tell you where that train took me, let's talk about the 2034 World Cup. Yay! Because obviously I had the honour of taking England into the World Cup, which was being held in South Korea. And we would open up with our two Group M games. First of all, against Australia. Now, unfortunately for Australia, Jackson Irving still wasn't playing for them, so no help there. And Phil Folden would score the only goal of the game as England would win 1-0. That would bring us on to our second group stage game against the powerhouses that are Algeria. And, well, nearly everyone scored as we would win 6-0. So that would bring us into the knockout stages. In the second round, we would take on Morocco. 6-1. <laughs> it's not really much Love going it. to. Which would bring us into a third round match against the powerhouses, probably managed by Alex Tamp-Brown, Jamaica. 4-0. 
So that would bring us into the quarterfinals, where we would take on the powerhouses that are Ukraine. 6-1. So that would take us into the semi-finals, where we would play Denmark. And this time we actually did struggle. By the way, all of the big sides were knocking out each other. It was kind of like the Coupe de France. I was expected to take on Red Star in the final again. That, that didn't happen. I, I'm sorry to spoil it. And Denmark would go 2-0 up within the opening 20 minutes. So... Great. But we would fight back goals coming from Joe Fares, David Vince, who you might remember is just the best player, and Reese James, not of Sheffield Wednesday fame, as we would pull back and win 3 2. Bringing us into the World Cup final where we would take on Belgium. This is not a Belgium who are the same as the Belgium of the golden generation a few years back. This is a Belgium who are 20th in the FIFA World Rankings, coming up mm -hmm. against an England side who were ranked first. They had knocked out France, Germany and Spain, who were like, I think, third, fourth and fifth. And they were managed by Ralph Hasenhutl, the former England manager, <laughs> who was now <laughs> hoping to take down his former side. And one of their star players was Tom Torres starting at centre-back, the guy I'd signed for £75 million from Liverpool. So how would we do in the World Cup final? Would we be able to edge past a Belgian side who had been beating everyone 4-0 England? Yeah, we dominated hey. and we would pick up England's second World Cup. And that was it for me. I decided after that to call it a day as England manager. To be honest, I would have probably been able to get through another season if I didn't spend, and I cannot stress this enough, an actual week deciding whether to to stay or leave England. I don't mean a week in game. <laughs> I mean a week of, of actual normal life, sitting there going, I don't know. And I'd load the game and I'd go, I just can't, I can't do it. But eventually I did decide to leave the England national team. So that would bring me on to the 2034-35 season. I'll go through this very quickly. But first, an adequately difficult question of the day. Mm -hmm. I wanted to guess who I decided to manage based on this fact about them. They once played against Leeds at the Camp Nou in the Champions League. This, this is going to be a, like a real kind of shit-ass question because it'll be like Espanol or something. Espanol, that's it's my not, guess. It's not Espanol. It's ah. not a Spanish side at all. Oh, right. Okay. Um, in the Champions League? In the Champions League, yeah. It's not one of Spanish the weirdest side. stories in, in football history, in my opinion. Monaco. I, I, I can't. No. I'll, I'll give you a clue. When I when I got my bags out at the train station, I was picked up in a Porsche. It's a German it's team. Italian. It's a German team. I don't know. Ta Towels would have a better oh. chance of knowing than Tam Brown because I did mention Porsche with regards to this team in the last episode of Going Deutsch. Plug. Wolfsburg? That's Volkswagen. I can't remember because... Yeah, I can't remember. It would have been a Mercedes-Benz last year, but Porsche replaced them as the primary funders, I guess, of this side. Stuttgart? Stuttgart! Yay! <laughs> Just to quickly explain the um, thing about playing Leeds at the Camp Nou 
they it was a two-legged game. Stuttgart won the first leg in, in Stuttgart 3-0. And then in the second leg at Elland Road, Leeds, I can't remember if they went 2-0 up or 3-0 up, but Stuttgart hurriedly made a load of substitutions and the game finished 4-1 to Leeds, which meant Stuttgart went through on away goals, except in their desperation to bring on new players, they made an ineligible foreign substitution because they were only allowed to play a certain number of foreigners back then in the Champions League. And UEFA's verdict after the match was that there would have to be a playoff game played at a neutral venue and the Camp Nou was chosen. Leeds went through after that. But to be honest, they should have just been kicked out of the tournament. I don't get <laughs> don't get this whole oh yeah, we'll we'll have you play a different game because they broke the rules. So yeah, that's that's one of my favourite like weird football facts is is the, the Leeds Stuttgart game at the Camp Nou. Anyway, Stuttgart the year before had finished 10th and the reason the job came open was because their manager Simone Inzaghi left to take the Fulham job and I found that hilarious because when I left Tebby to go to Leon, I was replaced at Tennis Borussia Berlin by Inzaghi so he'd replaced me and now I'd replaced him at a Can I just stop club. you to let the listener imagine this happening in real life? Like, a legendary manager, the best manager in the world, like, just won the World Cup with England, just won literally everything with Lyon, going to mid-table Bundesliga-style Stuttgart for a laugh. Just imagine yeah. that. Well, I had unfinished business because I never, with Tennis Borussia Berlin, won the Bundesliga or the DFB Pokal, so I was like, I need to finish off this save in the right way by... By taking another side to the Bundesliga and the DFB Pokal, I would have taken the Tennis Borussia Berlin job, but Oliver Glasner is still there and he's doing a really good job. And Stuttgart was the first one to come open, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do that." So there were a few players there who you'll recognise already, or at least that I'll recognise: Jonas Erbig, who is a keeper in real life for Greuther Firth. In the Spider Bundesliga, he was on loan last year at Jan Regensburg. I think he's a Frankfurt player. I can't remember though. Kobe Mainu, who's been mentioned on this save on this game before with Alex Tan Brown signing him. Nico from Barcelona, who's played like 250 games for Stuttgart at this point. Florian Balogun, who I think's an Arsenal youth product. And then the one I was most excited for, who I didn't notice until I'd until after I'd taken the job, Jose Juan Macias, who the listeners might not be aware of, but he was my star in my Salta Vigo save, where I won three Champions Leagues with them. Champions League's an easy competition, honestly. It's just an absolute laugh. But, yeah, he, he was my star in that save, and he was at Stuttgart in this one. He's 34, I think he's just retired. In, in, in the game, he's about to retire at the end of the season, I should say. So, there were a few really good players there already. And then I would go and bring in some good players of my own as well. I was able to because we had quite a few significant uh, sales. We had a player go to Saudi Arabia for £50 million. Luckily, this guy wasn't big on LGBT rights. He hadn't made a big song and dance about it. And then said, oh, I decided to go here to grow the game. He didn't do any of that. He probably just said, yeah, it's money, mate. 
Uh, I had a player go to Chelsea for 50 million. I had another player go to Premier League Barnsley for 24 million. And then quite a few who were sold between 20 and 10 million as well. So I brought in over 200 million euros in player sales. So it shouldn't really be possible for a side to start 10th in the Bundesliga, but that's what I did. And I was able to gain some really good players in response. The first one I want to mention. Obviously, I, I agreed to become a Stuttgart manager in March, I think, of the year before. And when you do that, as your time winds down with your current club, the computer takes over sort of the important business, uh, like signing contract extensions for players and stuff and all that. And one of the ones I saw was, I've agreed to let this player leave at the end of the season. And that was Maxence Karkave, one of the star players at Lyon. So I was able to sign in for just 10 million from Leon <laughs> after I'd left, which was fantastic. It should be said, he is 35 years old. So he's, he's not like he's in the prime of his career, but still, he is easily one of the best players in the Bundesliga already. So that was fantastic. Bayern Munich decided to let go of their star right back for, for some reason. I, I don't know why. So I spent 50 million on him. I also was able to bring in a player who you might remember, but probably not, Dimitar Georgiev, who was my last signing for Tennis Borussia Berlin. He had gone on to be a star at Tebby. He moved to Aston Villa, and then Villa decided, kind of like Arsenal, they spent a lot of money on a player, and then went, nah, I don't want him anymore, and transfer-listed him. I also signed both Leandro Morgala and Malik Tiao from Bayer Leverkusen, and then signed Regens Lewis Cook and Fabian Casanavze. Casanave, Casanave, from Nottingham Forest and Southampton. I also was able to sign Sabri Renai from Lyon as well. So he he was he was a really good youth product at Lyon, but he was never able to get into the side as a goalkeeper because Marcel Berger was there and going. Now nah, I'm just going to keep another clean sheet, mate. You're not allowed in. So I'd been loaning him out for years, and it was finally his time to get starting minutes with me granted at a different club so how has the season gone well on the 4th of november 2034 i would lose to Ange postacoglu's by leverkusen 2-1 oh no 3-0 sorry it was my first league defeat since the 2-1 loss away at ren on the 9th of january 2032 which is 1030 days before <laughs> So I'd gone, I'd gone without a loss in the league in over a thousand days. I have just checked. I'm midway through the season. I'm in March, and Leon are still undefeated under their new manager, Mikel Arteta. <laughs> it's one thousand one hundred and fifty-eight days since they lost in the league. Jesus Christ! I may have made them quite good. Maybe a little. So. Bit. How are we doing in the league, though, is the main question. I wanted to compete at least for the Champions League this year. I would actually do really well through the rest of the season so far. And when we played Bayern Munich in the first Sud derby, Jonathan Burkhart, a new signing for me, scored the only goal in the 88th minute. We would win 1-0. And with eight games to go in the season so far, we have played... 26, won 18, drawn 2, lost 6 for 56 points, which is impressive, but normally wouldn't be enough to be in first place. 
if it wasn't for the fact that Bayern have decided to implode. My presence in the Bundesliga has terrified them. So we are first <laughs> on 56 points with eight games to go. And it's a hell of a title race. Bayern second on 53. Bayer Leverkusen third on 51. Dortmund fourth on 51. Gladbach fifth on 50. Wolfsburg sixth on 50. So it's Decent. it's quite the title race at the moment. One more thing I want to mention before I move on. Obviously, I've been in the DFB Pakal. We opened up with a 3-0 win away at Koblenz and then won 4-2 against Köln and 5-1 against Greuther Firth. And then, sorry, I forgot to mention, quarterfinal, we won 1-0 against Wolfsburg. So we've now playing Bayern Munich in the semi-finals. We haven't played that game yet, but they have... Absolutely dominated the Pacal, which hasn't happened in real life because it's a single game knockout, it's unpredictable. But in the save, they've won five of the last six Pacals and every single Bundesliga as well. So, you know, that's fantastic. Going Deutsch, I'm probably in tears at this point doing this. I won the league again. Oh my god. Hopefully we'll take them down in the semi-finals, fingers crossed. I will say the second round draw was absolutely sensational because the first three games that were that were drawn out in the second round, Hanover against Eintracht Braunschweig, which is a local derby, then Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund was the second game out, and then the third game out was Tennis Borussia Berlin against Hertha Berlin. <laughs> so just... Pulled out three rivalries immediately. <laughs> but yeah, leading the Bundesliga with eight games to go, I might do the impossible. Not bad at all. Uh, I want to just tack on a little bit on the end of mine, which is letting you know what I've been doing since Taunton finished. Because I finished playing with Taunton like probably about four weeks ago now as we're recording, and I wasn't just going to sit here and not play Footman during that time. Uh, so I've been having a bit of fun uh, playing playing the role of Sam Allardyce, being a firefighter. So what I've been doing is starting a save unemployed with like a god manager, like max stats, all that. Uh, like ma max you can get reasonably in game, not edited to literally be at 20 and everything. Um, simulating to about halfway through the season, seeing who was at the bottom of the relegate, seeing who was not doing very well relative to their standards, whether that be in the relegation zone and needing rescuing or like just struggling compared to expectations or and trying to rescue them to the best of my abilities. So I've done this with three teams. Uh, I, my first one was Sheffield United, who were in like 20th in the championship even though obviously in real life they got promoted automatically um i had a really really great run with them for a minute it looked like we were going to make the playoffs but we trailed off towards the end of the season and finished seventh so just outside the playoffs but with like a five six point gap to them uh, the second one i did was augsburg in germany um augsburg was fun i took them i i took charge of them at the start of february and they were bottom of the table uh, and then we went on a run of basically played with winning one and a half points per game all the way through to the end of the season and ended up finishing comfortably mid table peak augsburg yeah uh, i mean i then carried on the save and got bored when i was halfway through the next season and like solidly on track to finish in the european spaces but not like absolutely oh. destroying everyone 
Just kind of That's bored. not peak Augsburg. No. Uh, so I, I decided to do a third one. Uh, and this time I ended up at AJ Ajaccio in France. Uh, those of you who are keeping tabs of your real-life football will know that Liga went from 20 teams to 18 teams over the summer. So there were four relegation spots in Liga last year, which means that my 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 Ajaccio team, who I took, I took charge of at the start of January when they only had 10 points, were like seven points off safety and had to go three point get get above three other teams in order to four other teams in order to climb out of it uh and ajaccio i've been really really struggling not gonna lie it's looking bad i may have rage resigned and simulated to the end of the season earlier today because i was just so frustrated at how it was going we early form was very good uh and we were doing about as well as we were at Augsburg, but then we got a couple of injuries and our form fell off a cliff and now we haven't won in five games. So I'm just quite sad. Um, the simulated version that I did um, finished with 25 points. Uh, I've gone back to the, where I rage quit and I'm going to see if I can beat that score of 25 points, even if I still get relegated. Um, because, yeah. And that will probably be my final save of FM23. And that's that for our... FM23 saves. Thank you for listening to us ramble for an entire year about Football Manager. It's pretty wild to be able to come on here and share the stories. Um, let's be honest, this, this podcast is like 60% an excuse for us to talk to each other, um, but it is also a good excuse to talk about our football manager saves and share them with people who actually like at least partially give a shit um so thank you for giving a shit about the video games we've been playing in our basements for the last year it's a weird privilege to be able to share them with the internet and know that people are actually listening and can if you continue to listen i assume enjoying listening as well um so thanks very much for for that it feels feels right to say that at the end of this part rather than at the end of the next part given that the next part's not to do it at all so yeah thanks for listening in the last year in the next part we will be talking about fm24 and all of the good stuff it has to bring um we won't be revealing what teams will be playing as what teams you should be playing as that's for next episode but we will be talking about the new features and whether we think they're good or shit so see you in part two